Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So welcome back to the Ed Brown podcast, everybody, featuring Rick Shields and Guy. <laughs> um, if you've not listened to the last episode, Ed Brown is a new VIP listener of the show uh, with an email that really would possibly even get him a job in Rick Shields Media. <laughs> yeah, I can't begin to put into words how much of a fan I am of Ed Brown. So he's, he's been followed by myself, he's VIP of the show, um, and because of Ed and this might be a disappointment for everyone, there's actually no listener of the show because Ed is such a great listener from last week's show. He's also this week's listener <laughs> of the week. We've had a lot of emails for listener of the week, so we will choose somebody for next week. But we just thought in honour of Ed and that outrageous email, he had to have more than just a one shout out. It, it might even be every single week is Ed's week, you know. <laughs> So a note to everyone, just be more like Ed. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Richard's podcast. We're excited about talking about good golf episode this week. Uh, last week was all about bad golf. This week is all going to be about good golf. Um, what, what was quite worrying, I was making some notes before on good golf, and I've got considerably fewer notes than I had when we talked about bad golf. Yeah, I, I must admit, I've got no standout story. Like last week was all about yeah. bad golf, and I had a standout story. Good golf, I, I'm going to talk about it, obviously, but it, sometimes... I think we, as humans, we forget about our successes and we remember the failures sometimes, which is frustrating. Yeah. The failures hurt more and last longer. But um, you did mention your three-par streak last week. That's got to be up there as good goal. <laughs> that was good. I was impressed. <laughs> um, but before we come on to good golf, we have got a number of things to talk about from this week. And we've also had some really good questions on the Facebook group. And speaking of the Facebook group, we've hit 10,000 members. Da, 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 da. That's a theme tune to everything. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if it's the same every time. Yeah, 10,000 members to the Rick Shields podcast group, guys. If you want to get, um, I don't know, involved, mm. um, you have to um, request to be a member. We request, we accept most people. Depends. <laughs> no, we accept everybody. Um, we have actually put a little bit of a limit on posts. Uh, we're starting to monitor a bit more because it was getting out. With 10,000 members, it was super yeah. active. We, we, we haven't had much experience with groups before, really, have we? And no. we were on it in terms of looking at things and commenting back. But we've got a lot of requests saying that the same things are getting posted over and over and over again, which obviously gets a bit monotonous. So now we are um, having to accept posts. But to be fair, we are accepting the vast majority unless you literally post something that has been posted five minutes ago. 
So the other day when Tiger held that shot that bounced back out the hole again. Which was ridiculous on the second hole at Torrey Pines. That was, yeah, it was ridiculous. We Somebody put it on the group, we accepted it instantly. And then within, I think, five minutes, we had another 10 people put it on. So obviously we didn't accept those other 10. And you think if we hadn't have had that fee- that function on, all 10 would have got on the page. So I understand why there was a bit of annoyance with it to yeah. some degree <clears throat> everyone wants to be the first on it which i understand uh yeah so amazing feat anyway Ten thousand followers on there and again we, we continue to be number one podcast in the uk and top three in uh, the world so thanks so much for listening everybody thanks for sharing the podcast i've seen loads more shares on twitter uh, instagram facebook this week so I pr- really appreciate that um so yeah it's been a, a good week um we released a video at the start of this week which was the vokey wedges the sm8 where we went over to formby hall uh, tested the wedges and also did a hole-in-one challenge. Um, nice wedges. Nice wedges, but... So this is weird, actually. This morning, I was lying in bed. Um, don't know why I need to... I didn't have to paint the scene. <laughs> I was um, on my phone. And weirdly, I found an SM8 commercial on YouTube. Obviously from Titleist. This is after we've reviewed them, after I've tried them myself, and after I know what they're actually like. And I watched this commercial, and I wanted some... Because it was just, obviously, as a commercial would be, it was powerful, it was telling you how the best things since sliced bread. And it got me thinking again about products and stuff, that how powerful it actually is to have good advertising. Yeah, exactly. You look at some of the best companies in the world, Apple are amazing advertisers. (laughs) I always think, say in the golf space, I honestly think Titleist are, are most consistently up there. What I think Titleist do well with the marketing is they actually relate it back to golfers on the golf course where TaylorMade's always felt a bit CGI'd put together. They're in like a, it's not real. It's yeah. all about you know speed, 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 speed. Where actually Titleist are quite clever where they'll show clips of, you know, um, typically nice swinging golfers out on the mm. golf course hitting beautiful golf shots into holes. A nice Adam Scott crisp chip. Correct. So mm. it's like, but they don't even always use tour players. They use, you know, obviously good players in the commercials and, the, and it obviously shows it the good shots that they hit or the way they fake it etc but it always relates it back to golf course performance which i was quite like with Titleist. but yeah sm8 it's not much different to sm7 truth be told uh, 160 pound a wedge when they first come out of retail but you're probably going to spend they'll come out at like 140 pound i would imagine and then you see, that's what for three oh, this is how bad my math is right now i'm going to say 420 he's 140 times three 420 well we it should is. be good at this we should be good at these numbers now with darts we're going to come I'm going to double check. It is. So I won't be surprised if... Um, How much was it for three? 420 okay. if you come out at 140 So you might get retail saying, if you buy three, we'll do them for £400. But it's a lot of money. I think the only thing with wedges is if you are a serious golfer and you play a lot, you kind of you don't need to, but the likelihood is you will replace your wedges every three or four years. So it's one of those purchases that isn't... It's almost more palatable in a weird way than like a driver because you really are buying a new driver for ideally performance gains but wedges it's kind of like oh well i've had these for three years i need some new ones and you can just treat yourself just a note though i don't know why i think it just made me giggle you know when you said then about how good apple's marketing is i've literally watched apple's old commercials for phones so for example i've got an iphone 10s now if you go on youtube and watch an iphone 7 commercial you'll want an iphone 7 <laughs> even though it's three models older it's still that good they are with johnny ive they are the best at commercials they really are Going off top, what was the Apple Hope thing called? Apple Home. Oh, like the um, that, that woman who did all the dancing in the studio and she pushed the. Oh walls. yeah, you loved the advert, oh, didn't you? Loved the advert. It was so good. I love the tune. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we digress. Uh, 
yeah, so maybe check them out. Like I said, you're probably better off picking up some SM7s slightly cheaper. I reckon you'll get them now for like 90 quid a wedge SM7s, but nothing wrong with SM8s. Um, did they make me go a hole in one? No. Uh, but we'll have to watch the video. It, I, I really enjoyed making the video. It was nice to hit so many shots with the wedges. It gave me a real good insight to how they felt, how they performed, how they span, um, and how, you know, give me an all-round perspective of the wedges, which was great. And then we've done some putter reviews today, which the video will go out next week, which is... It'll be... Will it, it will be this what, week when you listen to the it. Third? So it'll be it's on Tuesday. I think this should be out Monday, which I think is the second. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Monday. It's third. Is it? So a video coming out, if you're listening to this on Monday, there's a video potentially coming out later today on YouTube, and it's a new putter video, which, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to think what we can... The thing is, most people listen to this, actually, the video's already out, so it's like the future people listen to us now. But what we can say without ruining it for people that haven't watched the video yet is it's an innovation in its loosest term that's been copied from yeah. innovations of the past, which yeah. I know happens in every field and et cetera, but this is, yeah. I think what people, <laughs> what I can live with as a consumer, if you like, is I understand like the ping answer shape is iconic and every man and his dog that makes putters has done a putter in that shape. So you could argue, well, everyone's copied ping and then that's true, I suppose they have. But it's when somebody does something that's actually appears to be different that they claim to be theirs and to be new correct but then the exact same thing has been done by other people other brands it's a bit like uh yeah you're not really pulling the wool over our eyes certainly with with the tools of google now it took us five minutes to google search and uh realize actually this has been done before so anyway check out the video that's a new putter um and see how uh potentially underwhelmed i was um going on to are we, we're going to come on to good golf soon yes. aren't we um and the golf this week's been really interesting i'm just trying to think what it was it was uh <laughs> it was really interesting i just <laughs> forgot what it was what, what even week are we up to you know what forget that i, wasn't even... I must admit i don't watch that much golf on tv anymore <clears throat> you know what i was gonna actually talk about was tory and, and amiga desert classic but that's like two weeks ago now yeah. right now we're filming this on a on a, the thursday ready to for the monday upload and it's the saudi invitation which i went to last year which is a class golf course a really tough one where how tong lee actually got three eagles and one round of golf, which has never been done before. You've got Phil Mickelson playing over there, Brooks Kepka, DJ. They've all been paid a squillion dollars to go over there and pay, uh, play. And then, I mean, not all of them, the big names have. And then over back in the US, you've got the Waste Management over in Scottsdale, TPC Scottsdale a Golf Course. I've also played um, with the iconic 16th hole with the grandstand finish. Um, I would love to play that hole, me. Yeah, I would. With, I've actually played it with the grandstands up, but there's nobody in the grandstands. Do you remember the, I think it was last year, the April Fool's Day picture of the grandstand wrapped all the way around? And, and it that, actually looked like it could be real. That no, looked, it was wrapped around. All the, um, way, the whole, whole, was it not the whole thing? No, it is already wrapped around. It was wrapped around TPC, 17th hole at TPC. Was it? I thought it was, because what's the one like the waste management now? Does so it just... 16th is the par three. Yeah. And the grandstand is a full wrap around of the hole. That is uh, real. That's not an April Fool's. Well, which was the April Fool one then? The April Fool did... did photoshopped the grandstand from the 16th at Scottsdale ah, I get, yeah. and put it on top of the 17th hole at Sawgrass. Do you remember do you know the, I mean? um, yeah, I do, but I just think of April Fool then. Do you remember when Titleist this year, well, last year, announced a TS1 and TS4 on April Fool's Day? <laughs> and everyone was like, <laughs> April Fool. Yeah, Steve, that's the, I'm showing Guy a bit. That's, that's Scottsdale now. Is that actually real now? That's real now, oh, yeah. my days. I can't remember the capacity. It's something like 30,000. It's ridiculous. 
What do you think you're doing for 30,000 people? What would you like? Let's have a look at that hole again. I know you can't see this if you're listening, but let's just see. Right, so we've I got. Think most people know what about it looks four, like. There's about four different tea boxes, then there's loads of wasteland, there's a green four bunkers, like a weird bit of furway around it, and then a hell of a lot what, of people. What's mad is it's a nothing hole. Honestly, it's nothing. There's no elevation. It used to be much more elevated. The tea used to be much higher, but now it's flat, flat to the ground. Would you like, take? It's, it's like an eight or nine iron max. But would you be happy with going in the bunker off your t-shirt? Would you take that if there's thirty thousand people and you just hit it, make contact, greenside bunker? You taking that? As like, yeah, I think greenside bunker. You take it. Shake my hand on a four. Thirty thousand people. I you think can walk off booed. with a bogey. <laughs> I think you genuinely. I think if you don't bird, you, you got you booed at Lumna though, didn't you? <laughs> Let's not go back on that. Um, good golf, not bad golf. I would like. I'd be interested. I'd, I'd be interested to give it a, give it a go. Um, yeah, they have <laughs> that. Is it called Josh Kelly as well on the team? Who does like all the? Um, oh, is that what does it call? Certainly in the pro am, like they, he does all the slating, like yeah, rapping. Like, yeah. Hey right. Rick, you're not very good. Didn't you shoot eighty eight at Lumina? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Just clip that, please. <laughs> so before we get on to good golf, then I think we need to pad this podcast out as long as we can until we've got good golf because that might be a little five minute segment at the end we're actually I, moving into a new office today so we're uh we're a bit excited we're trying to get this this done yeah so basically this is going to be the probably the most rushed and, and worst podcast we've done and then we can get in the new office <laughs> i'm joking it's actually with, a, with a new podcast station um right i've got some questions for you okay you ready go these are from the Facebook group. And again, if you're not on Facebook, send them on Twitter to Rick or send them on email at podcast at rickshields.com. First one is from Stephen Bowman about putters. Simple to the point, blades or mallets. Do I prefer or general? Well, let's hear both. Um, I've used both many times. Uh, blades, I like the look behind the ball. Mallet gives you confidence on alignment and there's a little bit more stability. Mm. Pretty much. Yeah. I'd say the same. I've I've had both. I've had proper authentic Scotties. I've had big big chunky mallets. I actually feel like with a putter though, you could literally go out if you're having a bad day and you use a mallet. You'd take some your friends or go to the shop and buy a blade. Go out the next day and it just feels right sometimes, yeah, and then yeah, vice exactly. versa. Um, it's down to preference, isn't it? Really. And then obviously putter fitting is such a a, a bigger thing now than it's probably ever been, and it's obviously super important, but. Again, I feel like you could go to a um, a putter fitter and get fitted and learn loads about your stroke. But equally, you can just put a new putter in the exactly. bag and it can just give you confidence. Weird, well, isn't it? Well, who was it? Was it Jim Furyk that bought a twenty-five dollar uh, putter and then won yeah. the FedEx and won ten million? Yeah, like putters for me. You know, the one thing for me I don't like when it's the wrong length. Mm, too so long's always yeah. worse. Isn't so it? I use thirty-four inch. Even thirty-five feels Ridiculous. long, way too long. But bar that, I'm not really that fussed about shape. I'm not really fussed about um, weight of a putter or how much technology goes into it. As long as it feels nice, as long as it looks good behind the ball, as long as I can line it up and it feels nice, mm-hmm. that's kind of all I, all I really need. I'm sure there's rubbish joke there about an extra inch or something. But I'm just... <laughs> I'd always take an extra inch, but <laughs> not with my putter, thanks. <laughs> right, this is a weird question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, Glyn Taylor, he asks, is the strength of lofts ruining the game in irons and will the art of the true blade in hitting a true blade disappear um no because i think there'll always be a market for true blades Mm -hmm. i think you know certainly as you get to a level and it depends on what level is it say it's called glenn you know if glenn is a 10 15 handicapper and might play mid irons whatever you know mid forgiveness level and doesn't 
benefit from hitting that pure blade that just feels epic off the face, that just feels unbelievable when you strike it, then you might not understand that the true blade is there. But I think a lot of good players want that true blade, true blade feeling and that persona and that look in the golf bag that it's a true blade. Yeah, but uh, that no, well, yeah, I, I guess so. But I think without, I know it's obviously great that Glenn's asked a question and stuff. But for me, at my when I look at that question, I think how is the how is why has a lot of people in golf got an obsession with the game getting ruined? Like, how is the strength of somebody's seven iron ruining the game? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter, does it? If like, anything, it's going to help people hit it longer and they might enjoy it more. Yeah, it's and equally like we went filming today at the Marriott Worsley, and actually Harry that works was the videographer was mentioning how, not in a bad way, but how it was interesting for him to see a lot of people playing on a quite a wet and, and cold Thursday, so they're quite hardcore golfers, who using old gear, which was great to see, because obviously not everybody that plays golf yeah. is obsessive with having the latest gear. <clears throat> and these are, you know, re- relatively hardcore golfers, and they were decent, probably mid-teen handicappers maybe, or something, we watched them hit a few shots. So, obviously for people that are really into equipment, as I'm guessing Glenn probably is, we we do focus on strengths of lofts, but so many golfers that play the game don't even know what lofts. Well, they know no. what loft is, but I have any clue what the no. loft is. Yeah, I reckon if you did a survey, if you asked a hundred golfers as they walked past out on the golf course, you know, what's the loft of your seven iron? Mm-hmm. Out of a hundred people, how many are going to get it right? Well, another five. Th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ten. Well, yeah, I bet even that. And, and another thing, when I was at I was when I was at my peak in my golfing, I always want to say career, and I know it's not a career. But when I was like sixteen, and I was at the best I've probably ever been, and I was like three handicap or whatever, and I was pretty good ish for you know for my age or whatever. At the time, I didn't know what spin rate was. This is about thirteen years ago. Didn't know what spin rate was. Didn't know what launch angle was. Didn't know what smash factor was. Didn't, didn't know your club head speed. Didn't know what club head speed was. Like all these things that we uh, I didn't know what angle of attack was. I can keep listing these things, but didn't matter. I understood the basic principles hitting a golf Get ball. Get the ball in, in the hole, hole in yeah. the least amount of shots possible. Whereas I think so many amateur golfers now, and it's down to watching YouTube reviews or going for lessons with launch monitors. Well, don't blame me. No, but <laughs> obviously no, launch monitors are great. But, do, like, and I've said this a million times too, if me and you were playing and I outdrive by 12 yards, which happens quite a lot, I don't need to <laughs> <What>? know <laughs> I don't need to know if my spin was 2,100 or 1,900. Now, obviously, the spin rate obviously will affect the launch, the spin, and the overall distance, clearly. But you but don't need to know exactly. it, No, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, so strengthening the loft is obviously the tight list. I think we talked about it a podcast ago, but we couldn't actually talk about it, talk about it. The new T400s yep. have come out with the most ridiculously strong lofts, which as a personal point I don't agree with, but I don't agree. I don't also agree that it's ruining the game. No, I don't. The only thing I don't agree with with that set, if I'm being honest with you, is again, I don't think it's it's ruining the game whatsoever. I'm just going to go on the pitching wedge. It was just the fa- yeah. So it was the fact that yeah, all this, the brands claim that these new stronger lofted irons still launch super high, so that doesn't really make a difference. Blah blah blah. But this set now literally comes with a nine iron, obviously a pitching wedge, then a, a wedge, then a wedge two, and then a potentially wedge three. So quite literally, if you buy that set five to wedge, <laughs> which wedge may you hit the question you want to ask? But there's four wedges. So why not just call the wedge two at forty nine pitching wedge, the wedge at forty three, nine iron, like and, and just work up like that. Yeah. The, the number on the bottom has become irrelevant. Yeah, and maybe that's where they should put lofts on them a bit more. But people just get confused. Anyway, what other questions we got, guy? So this is a. I don't know if you can like this one at all. I'm going to ask it though. Okay, go on. 
<laughs> sit back, relax. I'm ready for it. And if you are driving now or you're on a run or whatever you're doing, get ready for this one. I want to see how Rick reacts. Okay. So Jonathan Ho has asked. What was his name? Jonathan Ho. Okay. Spell. Is Jonathan Ho. Which one do you want to know? Well, oh. H-O, I think. I've, well, I've done this time, weirdly, and I don't know if it's actually working out better or not, is I've actually written down the questions from Facebook onto my pad. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need to know Jonathan Ho's num- uh, number. <laughs> name. <laughs> you you have number. Might have to give him a ring. Right, let me find him again. So, again, don't sorry. It's a big deal. No, it, it is. If you want to know Jonathan Ho's... He's getting a lot of shout-outs here, Jonathan. You don't know the question <laughs> is yet. <laughs> I'm just I literally can't myself. find it. Don't worry. Um, I will in a sec. Basically, he's asked, is um, Rick... She- he wanted to do a change of mind, basically. So I guess he, he what, listens to the podcasts quite regularly because he's not done a change of mind for a while. But anyway, I digress. Is Rick Shields overrated compared to the other YouTubers, other golf YouTubers, and what makes him different? Wow. Wow. See, I knew I, knew I wanted to know his name. Let's block him. Find him on, find him on Facebook and block him. Uh, I don't know. How do I, I can't answer that, can I? Am I overrated? Um, and I, am, I, am I different to other YouTube channels? So, I think... Here we go. So, yeah, anyway, I'm it. not a YouTube channel. I'm a podcaster. Yeah, we're a podcast channel. What YouTube? <laughs> what, what's YouTube? So, it's Jonathan Ho, which is H-O. Um, yeah, so it's changed my mind. Is Rick Shields overrated compared to other YouTubers out there? What makes him and yourselves, because I get brought into it, different You YouTubers. get dragged through the mud too. Yeah. So, I actually liked his comment. So, are you overrated? Um... Be careful what you say. I'm pausing for a long time. <laughs> Be careful no. what you say. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's got different tastes. So, to people that might not like the content you produce, for example, they may argue you are equally. So, for example, I thought Game of Thrones, bar the last series, was unbelievable. The last series was rubbish, to be fair. But it was class. Other people might not like it. So, to them, it's deemed as overrated. So, obviously, overrating something is massively down to preference. Um,. But in terms of his question of... I'm giving him dirty looks <laughs> over the table. In there. terms of, of, of what is different with your channel and kind of our channel, if you like, and, and what we do, is I think, without giving away too many of our secrets, um, we are obsessive. So we... and I'm, I use obsessive then in a kind of a good term, almost probably a negative term. We don't switch off in terms of trying to make content better, thinking of new ideas. Um, Innovating. Yeah, doing things differently. I think we're super consistent with how often we upload. Um, I think it's, it's it's hard with YouTube because there's so many elements to it. So it's obviously got to be a clickable piece of content that you want to watch. It's got to be engaging. People got to watch it for obviously a long time. You've got to build that kind of trust, which obviously you've, in, in fairness to yourself, you've done this massively. You've never took a club deal. So all of your reviews are completely impartial. And again, you'll see from the new TaylorMade Putter one that's come in today, whenever you listen to this, it might be out already. It's completely honest what you like, what you don't like. You've ne- you know, that's, I think that's a massive feather in your cap, if that's that the term. I feel <laughs> like it sounds like a term. I could have had more money in my wallet, but I decided, I don't, well, I don't, short term money in my wallet. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm overrated. I think you underrated. I do. I think uh, for the... for the <laughs> I do, honestly. And it's like, <laughs> on here. But for the value added back to the viewer in either instruction, education, mm-hmm. inf- information, I honestly think for, for what every listener and viewer pays for <laughs> watching my content, mm-hmm. it's free, it's out there, it's 
been consistent, like guys mentioned. We've continued to innovate the content. We conti- continue to develop it. We shoot it in the best mode, in the best, you know, framework. Um, yeah, so without blowing my own trumpet, I don't think I'm overrated. And also, if I was, I wouldn't have 740,000 subscribers wow. and the biggest golf channel in the frigging world, Jonathan Ho. Block that man. Right, I'm the frigging best. I, I answered not that, overrated. I answered that question because I thought underrated. <laughs> thought it would uh, I'm ruffle un- your feathers. I'm unbelievable. No, I, I, listen, I, tur- I turned things the other way around. I'm the best in the game, and nobody else compares. Clip wow. that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Harry's just uh, in the corner, looked over, and heard part of that, and he's like, "What's going on? Why is Rick crying and punching the table?" I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm like. Uh, <clears throat> I'm like uh, Jonathan Belford from. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Is his, was, he, was he called Jonathan Belford? Obviously, because Jonathan Howe. What's he Jordan Belford? Jordan, I like him. <laughs> no one will take me down. Anyway. Right, anyway. So another question. This is sick. This is from um, Ford Ewing, Ewing, I think you pronounced. Sorry if I've butchered your name. I feel like I've done quite well on surnames recently and then I've just come out and destroyed that surname. I think it's Ewing. Anyway, it's a really good question. If there was no Tiger Woods... Who would be that guy and where would golf be today? So I briefed you on this question earlier today a little bit because I thought, let's have a little bit of time to soak that question up, digest it, and then Tiger Woods never existed in golf. Wow, wouldn't wouldn't we be in a different position? I think it'd be Ed Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Ed Brown, PJ Tour 2009. That would have been some game. (laughs) Um, Wow. It scares me to even think of a world where Tiger didn't exist. And it, yeah, that's if you imagine. But if he'd never existed, you wouldn't know what you were missing, would you? I wouldn't be here. You would. I'd be alive. I wouldn't be make. I wouldn't be sat here making a podcast talking about Tiger Woods. Obviously. See, I I don't I don't um, subscribe to that. Oh, argument. Everything you started golf because your mum played, which you've mentioned before. I know, but I don't... and then you would have clung on to somebody else. See, this oh, is the I thing. I love Tiger, and I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Tiger is the number one in my eyes. I absolutely adore him. Um, I know he's a big fan of mine, so that's also a big mutual. Fan of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but again, I grew up playing coincidentally in like the '97 era. But that was genuinely a coincident, a coincident. I can't say it. coincidence because my mum and dad joined a golf club. But if Tiger wasn't playing, I would have looked to somebody else to be inspired I by. Don't now. Know. I don't know. I okay, then. I, I, and I certainly don't think golfers be as in the position it is right now without Tiger. So let's think about who it could no, have no, been. No, do I, been. but I still think I'd be playing and you would. I don't know. I don't, honestly. I don't think I would. That's I think I would have dipped my toe in, then turned to who's going to inspire me and turned around and seen David Duval yeah. and thought, oh, I don't fancy wearing <laughs> Big sunglasses old like that. David Duval would probably be the guy who would replace so that's him. what I, I did some research before and I say research I googled for 30 seconds and wrote my notebook but David DeVal Phil Mickelson yep I've got him uh, Greg Norman was actually world number one when, so he was a little bit but he was kind of he was back end of the season back end of his career so in between 97 and 2001 when obviously Tiger was rising up Duval actually won 13 times yeah he was he was, he was really massive, good and if yeah. you remember I still remember 
they use the, the two golf balls. There's a tour accuracy Nike yeah, TW yeah. and, and a DD. DD. Yeah. Um, double D. Yeah. I think was he then injured Duval and obviously bits and bats, so obviously never quite fulfilled his potential. Well, I'm sure he fulfilled his potential when they open and stuff, but you know, he didn't quite push on and do as well as Tiger did. VJ Singh in the mid 2000s, mid to early 2000s was dominant. So in 04, he actually won nine times. Tiger yeah. won once. Yeah, so we got to win number one. Yeah. And then in 05, that kind of flipped again back to Tiger. Obviously, we've had Phil Mickelson, who has been yeah, yeah. dominant, but again, without Tiger. I wonder if Phil, how would he answer this question? Would he. There's no. I mean, Phil Mickelson would have been the world number one player for a long time if it wasn't for Tiger. Mm-hmm. I believe that. But. I also think he'd be a hundred million dollars less off than he is yeah, now. True, because Tiger changed the decimal point by one or two places, and therefore even Mickelson finishing top five made him more money than it would have done him winning all of the events if Tiger wasn't there. So I'm going to go for a different angle on this argument. Then this discussion, not an argument, discussion. <laughs> I'm going to say to you that. If Tiger wasn't here, hadn't been born, <laughs> bred in bred. a la- in a laboratory, yeah. in a lab, would we, as as the younger generation, if you like, be even more in awe and I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say respectful because that's not the right term, but more in awe of Jack Nicklaus because with yeah. his twenty majors and ridiculous amount yeah. of wins. Yeah. We always, everybody says on social media now, and I'm part of this community, well, I don't say it, but I'm part of this community that feel like Tiger's the best thing ever. But as we said in a couple of podcasts factually, ago, factually, he's not. Until, it's, he until, he, until he surpasses Jack Nicholas's major record, he's not. So Tiger's on 15 now, right? Yeah, yes. he won his 15. Jack's got 20, I believe. Or was it 18? 18. 18, sorry, I don't know where that was 20 from. 18. So he's still three behind. But. I don't think we actually are giving. We never. A younger generation never seems to take a set a seat. A sit. I can't speak. I'm really struggling today. I think I've had too many sips of Monster. I mean, I've fine. had about that's, half a. Can- that's fine for a podcast. You're not be able to talk. <laughs> I've had about half a kind of Monster in three minutes when Rick was raging. Um, we don't really t- tend to look at how ridiculous that actually is. Have 18 major championships. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, so, so would almost we be like looking at? Jack Nicholas more in a way. Would we all be using Nicholas clubs, golden golden bear clubs? And I mean, one thing we wouldn't be wearing Nike. No, that wouldn't. Nike would not have come into golf if it wasn't for Tiger, and I believe that. But they're already in golf before that. Do you know who the, the first one of the first athletes was? Uh, no. I'm gonna try and get a picture up now, and then I'll show you. Um, on that note, I think after 2004. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You might stretch to 2010. I don't think you could... You could include Seve. Seve. I think Seve was the first Nike golf athlete. Well, I never knew that. We learned something new. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they would have remained in golf, let's yeah, say. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, after, I think after about 2010, I don't think you can count then any other golfer. Like You can't count Rory to be the next Tiger because I don't believe Rory would have been the next Tiger if it wasn't for Tiger. I don't believe he would have been as good as he is if it wasn't for Tiger. In what sense? He might not have ever played golf. Yeah, but where did you draw the line? Obviously, no one ever would have played golf because Tiger didn't play. Yeah, but it might have been people we'd have never have known about. And I, and I honestly think... Mm, see, I don't know. I feel like, obviously, Rory, as we know, was massively inspired by Tiger. And the famous Nike commercial was obviously meant to be Rory as a child with all the posters. And I don't disagree that Rory would have been massively inspired. But... It's not like everyone that plays golf who's young plays because of Tiger. No. So there still would have been a Brooks. There still would have been a, a Rory. I don't know. I don't know if there would have been a Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Right, so I'm going to go for it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do then now. I'm going to go on the World <laughs> Golf Rankings, and you've got to tell me who you think wouldn't be playing if it wasn't for Tiger. Okay. Okay. Hit me. I'm going to do the top ten. So, number one, Brooks Kepka. You don't no, think he would. he wouldn't be playing. Rory. No. John Rahm. No. Justin Thomas. No. Dustin Johnson. Maybe. Next is Tiger. Patrick Cantlay. No. You can't say this one because it's definitely true, but Justin Rose. No. Justin Rose was playing before Tiger. Sorry, I got mixed up with which way I was going then. (laughs) Yeah, he would be playing. Yeah, Xander. No. Tommy. No. Tommy, even recently, we did a video with him. He started in 97, the same year that Tiger won the Masters, and inspired Tommy to become a golfer and to become now world top 10 player. <laughs> I don't have much facts in that. Yeah. I honestly don't. I think it'd be a completely different leaderboard. I do. I think what Patrick is... Reed would be number one. <laughs> well, if that's the case... I think then... Patrick Reed would be comfortable wearing red on Sunday. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't... Listen, we're never going to know, but I just don't. I can't see it. I cannot even understand it in my head. I honestly don't think I'd be in golf if it wasn't for Tiger. Interesting. I wouldn't. I don't think YouTube would have existed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people would have listened to podcasts if Tiger wasn't There'd around. Be no iPhone for sure. Johnny no Ive, where would he have been? Nothing. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree that Tiger has changed. Has changed the game and has moved the dial and has, like you said, brought the revenue so astronomical and through the roof. But I still think a lot of these guys would have played golf to some capacity. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they would. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm only going off my own experience, and I honestly don't believe I would have been playing golf. I might. Have wasn't Rory playing the toddler? Not, yeah, but 
Maybe that's when Tiger. No, when, Tiger's when 97. Was... So Rory's oh, older than me. Rory's like 31. So if he was playing, if it's true and he's doing all the, you know, the washing machine things and that as a little kid, he would have been before Tiger was, uh, so he's, yeah, he's 30. He was born in 1989. So if you call him six, which is quite old for Rory, so he was definitely before he was six, but let's just say six for round figures. That's 1995. Mm. So he was playing before Tiger was a household name, if you like, mm. still in the amateur championship or whatever. I think the thing is, if you ask those guys, they'd probably say, no, I, I would have been here anyway. But I don't know. <laughs> when we get Rory on the podcast, we'll ask him. When we get Tiger on the podcast, say, Tiger, who would be here if it wasn't for you? And say, nobody. No, golf wouldn't exist anymore. Um, so I think that was everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that went very many different ways. Can't there. tell if this is a good pod- podcast. No, or I can't. Really rubbish one I, can't. Um, I feel like we're almost over halfway through already and we're like... <clears throat> Not sure. We've got <laughs> Harry in the corner tucking on some wagamamas that he's... He's about four dishes worth. He's trying, to, he's trying to eat as quietly as he can so he doesn't disturb the podcast. Um, and like I say, we're moving into new offices today, so I'm excited. And, and Ed's name is going to be transformed from the office that we're in now to our new bigger office, um, which will feature a new dartboard. It will. Because we went to a dart shop the other day. Should we just tell everyone about that quickly? Yeah, let's quickly tell them at the dart shop. Right, Why can I tell the full story, though? You might not like that. One that you will like the full story, but this is how, as the world's big, this is what separates Rick Shields from this the other. This is overrated. Yeah, from the other YouTube channels. Because on Wednesday, the 29th of January, we went to Marriott Worsley to film a video, like most of the days. A bit cloudy, a bit rainy. I get there earliest, as always. It's about we said to meet at ten. I'm there as the good employee. I am quarter to ten. Sat there chilling, doing a bit of work on my phone, looking at the world of golf. Rick then pulls up next. I think you were next. Yeah, I was early. Yeah, Rick was also 10 early. To ten. He actually jumped into my car and had a little chat. <laughs> we had a little chat. Complimented me on how clean my car was, which you know goes without saying. And then um, Tim turns up, and then and then Harry turns up about. Was it gone 10, was it actually? Harry came at nearer to 11. So, so the new guy turns it really late, strolls in like a, like a, a care, student, just woke up. in the world. Oh, what day is it? <laughs> I'm joking. And then anyway, long story short, we decided it was a bit too cold to go filming, a little bit, a few speckles of rain. I'll be honest with you, we couldn't be asked. Yeah, we couldn't. It was one of those days where it was cold, it was windy. We had a, we had two or three instruction videos to shoot and then also a review video and honestly it was horrible wet damp looking out the window i was sworn i saw lightning um it was practically un unusable day so we went back to the car park we we're like what should we do guys you know what should we do anyway as you might have heard from the podcast going past we've uh, we've kind of become quite obsessed with darts at the moment we've had a dartboard in the office now for three months um <clears throat> which i thought was actually um hampering our productivity but considering we've had the greatest january on record and actually our third biggest month ever on youtube we're actually now contributing it to the dartboard being a productive Mm -hmm. tool in the office workspace so because we have become so obsessed with it and because we've been using cheap throwaway darts at the moment i thought as a nice treat because we absolutely smashed january in every capacity all down to you guys as well for watching and listening and sharing etc that I treat the guys to a trip to A180 Darts. A dart. Not sponsored, but. Shop. An actual shop that is <laughs> darts. Like a golf shop. Like, think, think of a pro shop. Swap all the golf clubs and the golf balls and the tees for barrels. Barrels. A new word I've learned. Flights. 
You know, the bits no, in the middle. Flights. You always want to call them flies. Flies. And you have to stop yourself. The bit in the middle. The stem, isn't the, it? The sharpie bit. Yeah. And then point. And then like, imagine you know when you go into an American golf or a golf shop and they have simulators where you can hit clubs and they actually had rooms full of dartboards where you could test darts out. And what an experience it was. It was unbelievable. All four of us drove, well, I drove four of us 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> guy said 20 minutes, it was nearer to 40. Down the road to A180 Dart Shop. And we uh, we experienced buying products in a genre that was not familiar with See, the, that, any of us. That is why. We do talk about darts a lot, and it's a bit of a running joke. But the reason we talk about darts a lot, and I've said this before, is it gives us a real perspective what it's like as a new golfer going to like a golf store. But obviously we're going to a dart store. I'm just holding my new dart in my hand at the moment, which is <laughs> so, beautiful. Yeah, it does look good. We bought, we bought our darts that we were ready to get. and then the, So I actually had the, the barrel bit and the tip, or whatever you want to call it. And I needed the, the stem. So I said to the guy, which ones do I get? I want some black ones. He went, just anywhere on that shelf, mate. I went, all right then. Brought some back. He went, oh, you've picked the worst ones. You've picked spinning ones or something. And I was like, I don't have a clue. And it, again, it took me back to golf. Like, if you've got someone in a golf shop and said, oh yeah, go go and pick a, a wedge to go with your set and they come back with a 46 degrees. Like, no, you need a lob wedge. Yeah. Like, why have you picked, why have you picked yeah. a wedge? And it was, it was the same thing. We kind of went in there with no idea. We're looking around, scratching our heads and we had to just openly admit to the guy, listen, we're new to darts. We've never really played. We've never really bought darts before. What are we looking for? And to be fair, they were super help, helpful, which I'd like to think a lot of golf professionals are when you go into golf shops that would give you the right assistance and reassurance that the ones you get in are the right ones and you didn't rip us off uh, we ended up spending collectively we got a new dartboard as well we spent 130 quid on four sets of darts and a new dartboard for the new office uh, i'm going to take the old dartboard home so i can get some sneaky practicing at home and it was an experience that would go down in rickshaw's media history and one that you know was needed it was a little day out a little treat for the lads and then we got back to marriott and shot an epic video which is actually come out coming out might come out this week the ping video Oh, yeah, we'll have done so a you thing. you might have seen the ping video. Think about that ping video. Look how happy I'm mm-hmm. on face. That was because I just bought new darts that day. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's talk about golf. Okay. So <laughs> we've, we've had the uh, the Ed Brown darts podcast. Now it's time for the uh, Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. So the topic of today, how far in are we actually now? Honestly, you don't want to know. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> so the topic was good golf. So I've not got a lot to say on good golf. So I don't play it very often. To me, or to you, and to listeners, what what is good golf? Like, how how would you determine good golf? Like, and certainly at your level. So, for example, somebody who wants to make a hundred and ninety-seven is good golf. To you, eighty-six is good golf. <laughs> no, but what what would you, so you go out today? You're going to be sacked off this podcast soon. <laughs> I'm going to swap you for Ed Brown. Oh, Ed, are you available every week? We'll, 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 it'll be Rick Shields featuring Ed Brown. What would for you? What is good golf? What what kind of scores you're looking for? What does it kind of feel like? Any examples you've you've had? You know, played good golf or gone through a spell? How long can a spell of good golf last? Like, it doesn't last long. Exactly. Um, good golf. There's not much in the world that beats playing good golf. True. I mean, the feeling you get during a round where you're playing good golf actually are just incredible, and then the feelings after that round of good golf can actually be even better than the feelings during the round of good golf because you've completed it and you can sit back and go bloody hell that was good yeah good golf for me is shooting on the par yeah good golf for me is being able to control the golf ball good golf to me is being able to hit shots that i want to hit on the golf course good golf to me is not making mistakes 
good golf to me is being able to um, fulfill my potential on any given day. And how long does it last for? It can vary. For me, it, you can go in spells. Sometimes I can be surprised. I've played good golf when I've not been practicing. I'll go and play good golf. Uh, one example was um, I played Pete in the Second Hand Club Challenge 2019 down at um, Woburn. Played no golf up until that point. This was March. I'd pl- honestly played nothing. And I played really bloody good that day. Just solid golf. Felt driving home. I'd beaten Pete, which is great because he's a full-time player. And was literally driving home going, oh my God, that was good golf. Mm-hmm. During it, you get you get thrills, you get excitement, but there's also nerves building up that you continue that good golf and continue that good score. And then once you hold that put on the last hole and either win the match or shoot a score that you've never shot before or accomplish a really difficult hole or make a birdie or make an eagle or make your first ever par. And once that ball hits the hole, it's like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. I completed what I needed to do on that day. I agree. I think for me, if I'm playing good golf, there's a few things, a few stars that have to align. So if I'm playing well, my driving's on point. We discussed before in the last episode, my driving can be wayward and it can be ridiculously wayward. So for me to be playing well, I'm hitting my driver well. But also it feels like there's no there's no like swing thoughts. It's just it just almost comes. It's like You just look at the target. Yeah. And, and it's just going there. And even like your bad shot might be a bit healy, a bit Correct. thin, but it's still there in the in the you know, in the capacity. I also think and obviously all these things have to come together to play well, but for me, it's also like the little up and downs yeah. where it's like a 30-yard a pitch or something for whatever reason. It's like you put it to six foot and roll it in, and the, and the six foot just seems middle of the hole. Yeah, in. Exactly. That, that comes together. That's the thing with good golf. It's not only just sneaking in and getting an edge. Sometimes you get that, but mm-hmm. it's like you're holding yeah. it right in the middle. Or like you you have had maybe a bit of a bad hole, or let's say it's a par, par three, you've hit a bit of an off tee shot, it's like a, a, a bunker, it's a bit plugged. Hit your hit it's like 30 foot then you sink the 30 yeah, foot for par yeah. and it just feels like nothing can go wrong or like if you played a par five and knocked off the tree knocked off the tee into the trees found your ball chipped out wedged it missed the green and chipped in for birdie yeah like it, you just happen to make a score yeah. when you're playing good golf That's unlike sure. bad golf where everything seems to go bad and it's hard to hold a single but hold anything i think sometimes though as well and this is it's hard to to kind of have this mindset but good golf and bad golf can actually be quite almost close so for example like my home course the part the first is like a par four so if you hit a decent tee shot and then hit a you know not the best pitch shot it's like it's normally like a 100 yards in or something and just say you missed the green which clearly you shouldn't be doing from 100 yards but you know you these bad shots do happen if you then stick it to a foot and knock in the par and get onto the next tee, it's like, yeah, par. You don't forget what the missed wedge shot. Momentum yeah, momentum. And you don't really think about, God, I've just missed the green from 100 yards. You're more thinking that chip was How good was fire. that chip? Yeah. yeah. Whereas when you do miss the green from 100 yards, then almost like put the chips like six foot and then just skin the hole and come off with a bogey. You're now thinking, You're thinking about the, 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 the wedge the, shot, the, the chip, chip shot, the, the pull. You've got three negatives all looking at you in, in the face. And then you get to the next hole, your confidence is down on pitching, on chipping, on putting. Correct. So it's like essentially one shot there, which was the chip shot, can can change how the round starts and how the, the round feels. And I think 
that catalyst can so early on, and it shouldn't do, but for amateurs so early on in the round can transform good golf into bad golf. A hundred percent. It happens, I think, at any level. A bad, you know, if you are super, super mentally strong and, and you can get off to a bad start and really hit that reset button, which is bloody hard. I mean, sometimes, though, good golf can come from a first bad hole. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can treble the first hole and go, oh, my God, and almost it's relax. A, it's weirdly nice. <laughs> it's a horrible yet nice feeling, a you, double on the first. You can relax. You, can, you know, the, the, the pressure's gone off your shoulders and you actually loosen up and go, mm-hmm. right, well, let's see if I can finish level par yeah. or let's see if I can still shoot my goal. And you'll look back at it and go, bloody hell, didn't I play 17 great yeah. holes? And almost you look at it as an accomplishment. Uh, bad golf... Uh, good golf, sorry, doesn't even, sometimes for me, doesn't even need to be about the score. Elaborate. Good golf is just, and it sounds cheesy, but being out with mates mm-hmm. on a mega day and it's sunny and you're having just a good match. You might not be playing the best golf you've ever played, but the match is good. Yeah. Or the, the, the setting's amazing. Or, you know, I've I've never really massively had this experience, but, you know, as much as my mum doesn't really play golf anymore, she's the person that got me into it, but like, if I took, if I ever had the chance to take him, me and my mum over to Pebble Beach and play in eighteen holes, I don't care if I shot ninety. Mm-hmm. It'd be more the experience, and that for me then is good golf. I've enjoyed playing golf. That was for me good golf. It didn't have to be about the score; it's the experience and who yeah. you're with potentially. That's true. But on a bit of a flip side, I have played, been lucky to play some amazing courses in a relaxed environment where I've played that bad; it's actually ruined it. So, in my, honestly, when I played for uh, when, I, when I played for when I worked for Nike, we played at Himmeland, which is where they have the Denmark, oh, yeah. whatever. What's it called? Made in Denmark. Uh, yeah, the de- uh, yeah, and it's like seven thousand two hundred something ridiculous. With the par three, the really short yeah, one, seventeen hill or whatever. The back, it is. Yeah, and I remember. I don't remember much about the round, but I remember it was one of those days when my driver was off and horrendously off. I was playing with work colleagues. I'm not having a bit of a match on, like a stable for something really casual, but there was no obviously big. It wasn't a big thing, and I played that badly. It got to the point where I actually stopped enjoying it because how I mean, yeah, playing with your moment pebble each something would be an exception, but how long can you go T shot out of bounds, T shot out of bounds? Because who was it? Was it um Dan from What's Inside the other day? Didn't he say did he say he'd played I'm sure on Twitter or so he he went to some amazing course. It might not have been to you, it might have been somebody else he'd said it to. And he'd I think it might have been actually Pebble Beach or Tory or somewhere and played that bad. He just basically stopped playing and walked around. So this is Dan from What's Inside, one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world. I played Pebble Beach. This was on last week's topic about bad golf. I played Pebble Beach in July. The fairways were so narrow, the greens so small, and the rough so thick and wet that I quit on the seventh hole and wow. just walked with my friends the rest of the way. Plus... They pushed you to play too fast. I still have nightmares about that place. Not fun. You know, for me, the best way of playing a course like that with friends is do a match play. Because then if you do have a hole, and that's why I... Yeah, if I've done this before with my friends where I'll play golf and, like, I think I've played well and I might have won if it's a two versus two. We often do, like, combined scores. So me and you, let's say, get five and a four, that's nine. They get two fives, we've won the hole. But... On one hole, me and my mate might get a six each, might go out of bounds. But next hole, that's forgotten about yeah, is exactly. match play. I love match play. I do. I love match play. If if anything, I would only ever play match play. <laughs> I would, honestly. I think because of that fact, you can have a stinking hole, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, <clears throat> the, the duffed shots or the bad hits, you kind of somewhat forget about. And it's just a challenge. Even if you're down in the game, it's just yeah. a challenge. It's, it's sometimes <laughs> the... the um, when you play match play, almost the satisfaction of your playing partner in a crap shot as well. 
Like it's nice that in it. Yeah. When they've got a six as much as you don't want to as much as you don't want to admit it. <laughs> nice. I in stroke play, if I was playing with three lads playing stroke play and we're all playing in the competition, I don't not that I want them to hold it, but I'm not that fussed if they miss. Yeah. In I'm match play though, I do love it when they miss I, a I, um, this this year just gone, so I played at my home club, I played for the scratch team, only played once, so I wasn't playing many comps and they asked me to play once and I lost the match, so it's nothing to really brag about. I think I lost two and one. But it was quite close, hence it was two and one, it was obviously a scratch. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to justify this. No, I'm not trying to justify it. Because I, I don't want to, my story sounds good, but I ultimately lost the match. So I'm saying that I'm not going to have to brag about. But this moment was up there in my golfing career. Once again, I've said golfing career. So picture this: long par four, right? Slight-ish dog leg, but pretty straight. Really long. I think it's stroke index one or two. It's, it is long. I was hitting it longer than this guy I was playing with, but I would hit him a drive because I was hitting it horrendous. So I was hitting three woods, so actually we were quite similar. He hit um, drive down the middle and hit two onto the green. So stroke index one, he's on the green in two with about a 30 foot for birdie. So he's going to get a par realistically. I've hit a decent tee shot and I've pulled this horrendous long guy into the left side of the green. I've got a downhill pitch, literally no green to work with. I've got one foot pretty much on the cart path, but I, I could get relief. I don't want it because the lie I've got is quite nice. So it's like, I don't want to take relief and lose the lie. Anyway, he's thinking, there's no way I'm getting up and down. So I've got a bogey in reality. He's got two puts for the hole and he's already in the lead at this point by one up. Open up my 58. Nike engage wedge with the dual sole technology. A little bit rusty on the face. Doesn't add to the spin, but let's pretend it does. It adds to the spin. I open the face, I lower the handle, take a three-quarter swing at pace, hit under the ball to a little bit of delicate grass. The ball pops up. The speed I've generated must have been about a 70-mile-an-hour swing, but the ball just popped up like a butterfly with sore feet. It lands on the green, it rolls three-foot, hits the pin, and just drops in for birdie. So I've made a birdie from nowhere. And this guy was nice. He was from another club. That was that was quite mesmerizing the way you said such that. Such a good shot. <laughs> this guy he was, was quite a sound a... fella, right? He didn't even say good shot because he was that like wounded and it was so left field. It, it wasn't that that wasn't an up and down, never mind holding it. I should have hit the green I should have missed the green, chip back on two put it for a six or something. But I hold the shot and he was that hurt. He was that distraught, that angry. He couldn't say good shot. It's the best thing. And later on, when we finished again, he won the match. But later on, he said that that shot was just ridiculous. And that was even though it lost the match, that feeling of like oh, yeah. good golf when it comes. And that's it. It might actually only be one shot around. Yeah. It might even just be a shot into the last hole where there's loads of people around the clubhouse, and you're just thinking, "Bloody hell, just did a decent yeah, yeah. shot," and you just absolutely rip one into the middle of the green, and actually all of the other golf has been forgotten about. And you walk off. Someone says, "How'd you play?" And you go, "Oh yeah, I played well." And you think, actually shot horrendous but that last shot remember mm. remind you i feel like the way after you tell that story that should be a new section to the show guy cool. guy explains amazing shots well yeah i've also got it a little quite, st- it was kind of sensual yeah i do like remembering the good shots i also like it's been the bad shots as well but speaking of good golf again i don't remember, but I also do remember, which doesn't make sense, but let me elaborate. My best ever round of golf. So, let me take you back. Don't <laughs> take us through every freaking no, no, shot. No, 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 that's the point. That's the point. I don't remember every shot, but there's one story I do remember. So, it was the summer of 06. Um, it's some music in the background. No, basically, again. let me tell you, it's a funny story, but it's not. It's it's a, it, which is it? Is it 
which is the, quick, which is the ba- bad one? Is it sportsmanship or gamesmanship that's the bad one? What, bad sportsmanship? No, because being a, is it gamesmanship where you're not breaking the rules but you're being a bit off? I'd imagine so. I think it's that one. Basically, me and my, I was in a junior comp. It was a nice sunny day. I've been playing all summer. I was in a three ball. I was level par on the 18th T gross. I was off, I think, six at the time. One of my friends, Paul Howard, was off five at the time. He was one under gross. But I had the honour. I smashed a drive up 18. And as, as he teed up, I went, oh, I just didn't want to go out of bounds then. And I, this is horrible, isn't it? Yeah. I said that, and then he hit his, and actually hit the fairway, and he said, and I remember him saying something like, you said that, and try and put me off. And I went, oh, no, I didn't. Anyway, he hits the green, I hit the green, and I sunk a 30-footer to shoot one under gross. And he then two-putted and also shot one under gross. We both shot one under gross in the same day. And I came down to five that day, and he came down to four. So we were quite close in terms of, you know, ability to some degree. But Paul then went on to win on the Challenge Tour and play in the Open. Um... I outdrove you by 12 yards last week. Right, so well, what we're getting at here. <laughs> um, I feel like you've lost a bit of tangent. You just wanted to brag no, about that. No, what I was saying was that was my best ever round of golf. I shot one under gross in a comp. I've still never beat that, believe it or not. That was my best ever score. I was 16 years old or 15 years old, but I don't remember anything bar the last hole. But I think the reason I remember it so vividly was because I said to him yeah, about yeah, don't go out of bounds, which I remembered, was, is reality isn't a nice thing to do, is it? No, it's not really. You are like that. You you kind of like to put people off when they play. <laughs> um, I think when I played my best golf was when I did when I was kind of playing a lot more golf, tournament golf, a few years ago, Quest for the Open, etc., etc. And I could felt more confident that I could shoot under power a lot more of the time. And even my worst scores were like two or three over, and it just felt easy. And that's the thing with good golf; you make it, it starts to feel easy after a mm-hmm. while. But you look at to go up to next level at Challenge Tour, European Tour, PGA Tour, it's nowhere near, like, literally. Even the good golf that I could play on local golf courses around here, stick me on TPC Scottsdale this week and I wouldn't break yeah. the 80. And it, that's the difference. I think it'd be interesting to know when the good, like, I'm trying to think of an example, when, let's say, Furyk shot 59, or was mm-hmm. it 58? Let's say Furyk only shot 58. Like, what does that feel like? On a championship golf course, how the hell? I mean, how? What does that even feel like when you're doing it? I always think it can't have a feeling. It must if, be it, if it did have a feeling, you, I don't think you could carry on. Do you get what I mean? So it's almost like you become almost a robotic in it, and it's just like that's the hole. I just put the ball in that it's hole. It's just done. amazing. And what's great about let's say around like it's got evidence. They've got yeah. every single shot on evidence. Like. If I was him, I'd watch it every time before I went and played golf. Yeah, that's something I used to do a lot. You know, if if let's say um, one of my best rounds of golf, and, and this was um, playing at Fleetwood, which is not you know an amazing golf course. Um, <laughs> sorry, Fleetwood, um, and it was after, day after Danny Willett had won the Masters and played it the next day and played brilliant, really solid golf because I was almost putting myself in that in Danny Willett's body, mm-hmm. thinking about the final round he just shot at the Masters. I remember on my phone, I used to have clips of me holding putts, five or six clips of me holding putts before I go out and play. You'd watch to try and remember what that felt like or watch Tiger hit 10 tee shots and remember what that feels like in a weird way. To try and, you know, generate my own good golf. I think there's something in that, definitely. At what point do you think around, like, at what point does good golf start? And this is a weird question. What I mean is sometimes... Like, if I own my club, I know you're not bothered about having clean clubs, but if all my clubs are clean and shiny, and I've got, like, it sounds weird, like, I've got an outfit on I quite like, and I hit a few balls in the net before I play, and I feel like I'm swinging it quite well, and then I hit, like, a decent tee shot, I feel good already. 
Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm going to play well, but it feels like that's the, the I can start a good... Yeah. Whereas other times, you get there, you don't know why you feel a bit offish. Oh, God, 100%. You know the one for me in this, you know, I'm taking this completely off tangent here, but like runners, like runners can have good days and bad days. Mm. And you think about running, you don't need any equipment. It's the same all the time. How can a runner have yeah. a good day and a bad day? And you think about that then in golf with There's all so of more. with all of the variables that you put into golf, you know, it's obvious people are gonna have different days. Like Yeah. I think the key for my good golf and also for probably a lot of amateurs isn't actually play, isn't playing good golf, it's your bad shots being better. hundred percent. So if I if you said to me now we're gonna go and play eighteen holes at my home course or a course whatever that I know, and I can guarantee every tee shot that you have You won't lose. Be, yeah, you won't lose, you'll be in play. I feel like I've put a decent score yeah, together. Yeah. Someone said to me you'll you'll be two hundred and seventy yards down there, not in the trees, but not in yeah. the fairway. Okay. I'll take that. And is that because my, the worst part of my game is probably, well, the most unreliable is driving. Whereas for some other golfers, if you said you're going to two-put every hole or whatever, or you're going to get a couple of one-puts and other two-puts, that would be the, a good round for them. It's just making your bad shots, whatever your bad shot is, whether it's putting, chipping, bunkers, driving, making those bad shots a little bit better, yep. you will play better golf. Because nobody, you're never going to play and hit perfect shots. No. Um, but anyway, that's it. That's good golf, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> don't really know where to go from that it's been a weird one this week I'll be honest with you um, so we've, the, yeah hmm. we've covered a few topics whether we push whether we even release this podcast <laughs> <we know. laughs> maybe we've just been talking for 58 minutes into a, into a microphone for no reason if you're wondering why there's no podcast uploaded this week you won't hear this actually so you wouldn't know why <laughs> if you are hearing it then we have nothing else to put out no I'm joking guys thanks for listening to the podcast that was Good Golf episode we'll be back next week with another random episode thanks for listening to the Ed Brown podcast featuring Rich Hills and producer Guy we'll see you soon <laughs>